Chapter 21 Year 874 PXF Spring It had been years since Talon had been in a fugue the likes of which he found himself trapped. The world drifted by him like shadows in the fog. He went through the motions of life, but none of it touched him. He continued training the guard, attending briefings, eating, and sleeping, but all were just shadows occurring in the background as his mind raced with the thoughts that plagued him. He felt betrayed, by Osman, by Kasfarian, and primarily by himself and the damned chain his father had shackled him with. The previous years on the winding natural path now felt wasted when the direct path to the person he sought had been sitting across the table from him for eighteen months, living under the same roof and calling him brother. How could he not have known, heard, or felt by divine guidance that a doorway to Riken was so close? Why had he allowed himself to put down the burden of his search and be so protective of the distraction that Osman offered to never even ask about Architavia Thorandus? And how could Osman not have been moved to say something? Surely Talon had mentioned it was Nuldani shaman that had taken Riken. Surely he had. Hadn't he? Now the only person who could give him answers about Riken was dead, his corpse presumably half a continent away. The fugue continued, nothing registering in Talon's troubled mind. Reports from the southern border, the impending imperial visit, locals creating militias reflecting the training of his guards and the Arnador watch, the cleric setting his nose, unspoken apologies never exchanged with Osman, the old flags of Elerion flying over the city, Lali asking if he wanted seconds. Yet along with the daily noise, something else itched in the back of Talon's mind. He should be paying attention to something he had seen, something that was in plain sight and was connected to the doubts that plagued him, but whatever it was kept slipping through his fingers. He attempted to probe his mind for the voice and demand answers, but wherever it had hidden itself, Talon could not find it. Three days, a week, a fortnight, Talon could not have told a soul even with a dagger to his throat. He finally woke up as he stood in the pre-dawn darkness of early morning along with his guards in the duke's council chamber. Uh, what was that? Talon asked. Unaccustomed to repeating himself, the duke tersely and waspishly answered, You are to take Lieutenant Frederick's militia via the teleportation circle and attack the Imperial forces raiding our southern villages. I am to attack the Imperial army? Talon repeated, sublimely confused. Yes, replied the duke, now growing angry. Talon blinked twice, running the command through his mind that was just emerging from the fog that had shrouded it, making sure he heard correctly. Suddenly, a flash of understanding washed over him. Seasons worth of weapons his father had ordered me call to make headed south, people coming and going from the Corvermain estate at all hours, the training of the guard and his envoy missions across the countryside the use of ceremonial uniforms and the Elyon flags flying over Arnador. His father was starting a war to secede from the Empire and had been instigating it for years. The Imperial army would never attack from the south, there was nothing to gain, but the south of Elyon was secluded enough that planning a false flag attack by the Empire would inflame the provincial residents of the duchy. When the Emperor eventually did send troops to settle the unrest and keep the peace, what was a false invasion would become a real one. There would be no stopping the violence once it started. 
Talon glanced to his side and registered what Lieutenant Frederick's bannerman was holding. A red standard with a curved V shaped like a falcon's talon emblazoned on it. Talon was thrown into his vision from the contest of wills with the Vermilion Blade years before, him leading armies carrying the same banner and leaving a trail of bodies in his wake. Through Duke Isul and even without the Vermilion Blade's control, his father was still planning to wield him as a weapon. It would be Talon, under the banner carrying his mark attacking the Empire. What had been itching in the back of Talon's mind rushed to the surface. The brand he had willed onto the Vermilion Blade was gone, along with the control it represented. No! Talon exclaimed, both to the realization about the Vermilion Blade and the Duke's order. Before he could get another word out, the Duke launched into a fury. You defy me and deny your oath? Oathbreaker. Talon retorted, his voice booming in the council chamber. This is treason, and treason under false pretenses at that. He turned to his guards, but their gaze would not meet his own. Osman, do not do this. It is sedition. Finally, Osman met his gaze and took a step toward Talon, looking for guidance. It is all my father's doing. A plot. Talon's eyes widened in fear. Osman, is Serena involved? Are you involved? What have you done? He thought now of Osman's trips and the garb and parchment-wrapped clothes. Could they have been imperial uniforms? Will you abandon your oath and your liege so easily? The duke spat out at Osman, stepping on the tail of Talon's words. I should have expected as much from an Uldani. The duke's comment, combined with Talon's accusation, landed true. Osman, with a set jaw and eyes of stone for the man he once called Krodran, stepped back to join the other guards, turning his eyes away from Talon and staring silently forward. Talon Kurvermain, you have broken your oath to your liege and your house. I... The duke continued, but Talon heard none of it. Instead, another voice now filled his head. The voice of the Vermilion Blade. Oathbreaker. In his mind, Talon felt the remaining black chain connecting him to the darkness grow taut and tighten around his heart. Overlaid with the council chamber, he saw the iron web of the Vermilion Blade's magic joining the chain, pulling him toward the dark precipice. An overwhelming urge to draw his cursed weapon began to overcome him, and all it wanted was to cut down everyone in this room, painting the walls with blood. Most disturbingly, the glaive showed him Osman's head on the end of its blade, mounted there like it was on a pike. Desperate to reject the vision, Talon gathered every ounce of will he had, not to fight the Vermilion Blade as before, but to turn and flee, putting as much distance between him and Osman as possible. He turned and ran from the room, hearing the Duke's voice command, Stop the Oathbreaker! Stop the traitor to Elyon! Half-blinded by the vision and the pull of the Vermilion Blade, Talon didn't even look back as he used the small amount of magic he had to slam and seal the council chamber doors with a binding of desert glass. If they heard the Duke, the startled guards in the outer halls must have thought that their knight captain was chasing some invisible enemy as they stepped out of his way when he careened past them. 
The vermilion blade filled his head with its desire to be drawn and lay waste to every living thing they passed. Talon struggled to keep his hands away from the cursed weapon with each new guard or servant he passed. Finally, arriving at the stairs, he dove down them, doubling back at their base to reach the service door that exited the keep's outer yard just behind them. And then Osman was there, blocking his path. Osman landed, swords drawn in front of him, having leaped from the second floor through the stairwell. Stop, Talon! You don't know what is going on! You've been distracted and unwilling to see! He confronted Talon with a harsh but pleading voice. I can show you! She can show you! Talon wanted to scream, and as his anger rose, so did the urgent need to draw the vermilion blade. Osman, you don't know my family. You don't know who we really are. Even me. You can't fathom the darkness my blood holds, and the absolute evil that resides in my father. Talon spit his words through clenched teeth, the white showing around his crazed and vision-clouded eyes as he stalked forward closer to Osman fingers flexing in their desire to hold his cursed glaive. You saw what Serena wanted you to see, what she needed you to see. Talon nodded his head along with his following words to get the affirmation he needed. Everything was justice and righteousness as she had you trained those soldiers over the winter down south. You perfectly fell into my father's plan and web of deceit as she drove a wedge between us. Osman's face was racked with conflict as he tried to reject Talon's words, but some part of him couldn't completely discount them. It was all Talon and his blade needed, just a moment of hesitation. In all his training and duels, Osman had never had an opponent go for the kill on the first strike, and therefore was utterly unprepared for Talon's attack. Talon's blade sank deep, precisely where his training with Balanon guided it through the ribs and deep into the lung, deflating it and hitting a grouping of nerves to induce excruciating pain. Talon thanked whatever gods were assisting him, as he had somehow been able to draw Mikal's dagger instead of the vermilion blade. Osman crumpled in his arms, Talon leaving the dagger in place as it would keep him alive, and the way it bit into his ribs, no helpful guard could easily remove it, allowing Osman to bleed out. As Talon lowered Osman's head gently to the floor, his wide eyes panicked, looking up into Talon's. Talon had so much he wished to say, how he hoped Osman would see the truth and understand one day, but all he choked out was, You will not die this day, but it will leave a scar. As Osman tried to grab his arm, Talon rose to leave, gently adding, You will always be my little brother. Talon then stood quickly, knowing he had tarried too long. Oathbreaker! The word echoed in his mind. Talon ran out the small door behind the stair and made his way to the stables. The vermilion blade overcame his emotions that had suppressed its will and demanded it be drawn and wielded, its web of chains now engulfing Talon, his sight shimmering between reality and the rocky plateau. Jumping onto his mount, he galloped out of the keep, heading in the only direction he knew to go. Unfortunately, the news of his actions seemed to travel even faster than his horse, as before reaching the outskirts of Arnador, Talon met shouts of coward, traitor, and oathbreaker, along with residents throwing spoiled food at him in equal measure. 
Oathbreaker. The vermilion blade's voice rang again in his head. The urge to have it in his hands was now impossible to deny. He drove his mount even harder. Across fields and recklessly into the forest he flew, until, without warning, the vermilion blade was in his hand, Talon having drawn it without a thought. With one swift motion and a massive downward strike, he cut the legs of his mount out from under it, sending them both crashing into the ground. The horse screamed in pain and terror, but Talon could no longer hear it. Oathbreaker, Eternal Walker, Thrall to the House of Hearts Vermin. The vision was familiar, but changed. Talon strode the land, wielding the vermilion blade as he had before, striking down his foes. However, in this version, Talon was now an undead skeletal monstrosity. He would take a piece of flesh from each body he cut down and stuff it into his decaying form, adding it to his own. Every limb and organ added to his mass and writhing size. The figure now standing head and shoulders above his adversaries was not the heroic version of Talon the Vermilion Blade presented before, but a horror of screaming undead faces and rotting limbs. Every footfall of Talon's vile form corrupted the land he trod upon. To Talon, trapped in despair, the images lasted for years, decades, and centuries. The pain of his own screams in the real world finally pulled him out of it. Talon, still alive and human, covered in his mount's blood, was running through the forest as he awoke out of his vision. His hands, welded to the shaft of the vermilion blade, burned within arcane black flames. The skin and flesh on his hands blistered and melted, falling away, exposing seared muscle and charred bone. His legs somehow had kept him on track for the spring while his mind was absent. The spring was the only place Talon hoped there might be help, or, in light of this new vision, rest for his corpse so that it could not rise to become the horror he had witnessed. Finally, as the spring came into view, the vermilion blade tried to wrest his mind away from him again. He sprinted forward with all his might and will. Legs churning without ever slowing, Talon leaped off the familiar boulder, his and Riken's boulder, and dove deep into the waters, not knowing if he would ever breathe of the air again. Hands extinguished in the coolness of the spring surrounding him, Talon dove deeper and deeper, kicking with all his might, the cursed glaive held before him still welded to his hands. As he descended, eyes wide open, he searched for the bottom and a rock or outcropping to wedge himself and the weapon underneath, trapping them both here, hopefully for eternity. Upon the shaft of the glaive, an inscription appeared before Talon's eyes in fiery runes. To break oath is to be doomed even beyond death, to walk this land as a blight upon it. The curse now seen and believing his fate sealed, Talon closed his eyes and accepted his doom, praying that whatever divine force the spring might have would keep him from rising again after death. He did not see the grain of the vermilion blade's rosewood shaft twist and contort under the hand of Caspharian, to whom all of nature bowed. The conjoined god's divine touch, unable to erase the words, reformed the runes into a new inscription before their cursed magic left the shaft of the vermilion blade and sunk deep into the flesh and bones of his ruined hands.